Ladies and gentlemen, it is here. It is an extra canon podcast. It is the show that you've been waiting for. It is the show that has been missing for a good few weeks. But here I am, Rob Worthington, hosting a podcast. You may have heard me co-hosting in, in, in recent weeks under the watchful eye of the one and only Daniel Finton. Who knows? He could be here today. Um, you'll have to wait and see on that one. But... Uh, here it is. It is episode 28 of the Extra Canon podcast. And yeah, we might as well get straight into it. I'm going to first of all introduce um, my my main guest, uh, the guy who's always with me on this show. Uh, he's just he's just a great guy all around. It's McIntyre Johnson. How are we doing, Mac? Doing all right. Having a good time. Um, yeah, it's good. I am excited to be on the show as always. Finally, glad to get back to an extra canon podcast that I'm not hosting. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that, don't know whether it was our last one or the last one I was on, either way. Um, yeah, it, it's nice to be able to sit back and relax on this show. And life is good. I'm back at school. I am out of COVID isolation. Um, and I am living the dream. Yeah. How are you, Robbie? I'm not bad. I'm not bad. Um, I was just talking to our to our other guests um, before you uh, jumped on the call, and I was saying that I only got three hours sleep in the bag last night. So, um, oh shit! Well, yeah, it, it was a bit of a long morning, but somehow I'm feeling pretty energetic now. Um, you know, it, it's one of those weird ones, isn't it? But uh, yeah, I'm doing doing pretty well. Uh, sort of settling back into uni life. Uh, it's my second or third week back now so yeah third week back so yeah it's 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 going well for me thanks for asking max sir anyway time for our second guest uh sort of introduction um you know what i'm gonna use exactly what he uses on me he's got a pretty versatile name himself dan <laughs> daniel danny the man that i so like to call oh. drum roll please yes. Thanks to BehindTheName.com, Grigor Kara. And uh, <laughs> is that one word or two? It's two. They all Good. seem to be always be two. And I've even got a little life story of Grigor Kara. He's uh, five foot nine. He's 37 years old. He's from Bulgaria. Um, and he's going to die on March 28th, 2057 at 2.40 p.m. of heart disease. Oh. So, Gregor, how are you, man? You are sending me the link to that website because I am now using that on you, Mr. Versatile Name, as well. That is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I was already doing good, but Rob, that is my, the best intro to me that I've ever heard. And I am honored. Uh, what so is it? Rick, it was pretty spectacular. Riggle? Behindthename.com, it sounded like was yeah. the website. And you have to like name. click on you have to click on night uh, like live story. So you get you get a little <laughs> get a, a bit of background info. That's oh, brilliant. Well, Riggle is doing phenomenally well. Um work You've only got twenty years left of your life. Oh, I'm gonna die soon. That, that's good news though, man. This shit's, <laughs> this shit's hard, you know? Um get out of here while I can. Um but yeah, man, uh just working hard at school. 
as always, I know nobody wants to hear that crap and my part-time job and all that stuff, but I got some pretty cool, um, God, I hate, I hate this expression because it's so flipping overused now. The, I've got some personal news that I will say for my spotlight uh, later on in the show. I figure I'll just save oh, it for then. Yeah. Um, mm. I'll probably forget that I said this at the top of the show and then I'll come up with something totally different and not uh, give, that, <laughs> <laughs> give that loose end the time that it deserves. But hey, you know, we'll see what happens, I guess. But I am just delighted to uh, be on the show today. I am not delighted, however, with pretty much what we're going to uh, what we're going to talk about, uh, Bert. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's pretty grim what what, what we're going to have to uh, sink our teeth into. Do you, do you guys have any other uh, sort of burgeoning tangents that you'd like to go on before we uh, before we delve into the horrible stuff? Mac, do you have anything for us? Nothing super special. Just uh, uh, yeah, I feel like we should get on with it. Get you know. Uh, Get it over with more like yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what let's, she said. Let's just do it. <laughs> let's do it. Um, okay. Basically, the whole situation at Arsenal involving transfers is pretty depressing. It is the 26th day of the month, and we are yet to sign a player. And uh, in fairness, we have shifted quite a few out, but we haven't commanded a fee for any of those players. So, yeah. The press on a one Edu Gaspar isn't very good. Um, firstly, let, let's talk a little bit about. In fact, let's let's just start with the outgoings because I think there is discussion to be had. Mac, talk to me. What, what do you make of sort of? I suppose it's sort of revisionism because perhaps people are making him out to be a player that he's not. But what do you think about the talk about Ainsley Maitland-Niles and the timing of his loan and the contribution he perhaps could have made this month? I I think it's unfortunate, really, because Maitland-Niles is a player who is unbelievably talented at a number of positions um, and is unfortunately the best, in my mind at least, at the ones where he doesn't want to play. Um we have, as we all know and have talked about at length, been very short on midfielders. Um, but I also think he could have been an unbelievably safe option at right back uh, to allow Tomiyasu time to recover. Um, mm. But regardless, I think it's clear that as much as he might want to be at the club or whatever, he he needs time where he can work in a system that, you know, in which he's trusted, uh, he can work in a system where he will be played where he wants to be. Um, and, you know, historically that has not been, you know, his, his role at Arsenal. He has not been played in the center of the midfield as an eight, as he has demanded to a greater or lesser extent for a number of years. Um, mm. and it's, it's annoying because when, of course, when we when he went out on loan, um, we thought, okay, safe hands. Uh, Afcon could be an issue with El Nene and Parte missing, but you know, Jaka will be fine. He and Lekonga are a doable partnership. We have backup options, and you know, red cards happen, things change, and generally, I think the Maitland Niles signing or the Maitland Niles signing of by Roma, um, our sale slash loan of Maitland Niles. Um, has looked a worse and worse decision as the window has gone on because mm. of what's happened at the club. I think 
in terms of the merits of the deal itself, it's a, it's a good deal for him. It gets him playing again. It gets him in fine, fine form, whether he's finally going to break into this team or be sold at the end of the summer. It's a helpful deal all around with the only exception being the fact that we needed him and he wasn't at the club. Um, and that I think that is really my only grouse about the deal, but we couldn't have seen it coming at the end of the day. Hmm. And, you know, we made our bed and I think we have certainly lain in it. Yeah, yeah. Would you would you agree with that, Daniel? Or do you think perhaps the club were a bit too naive on that with that? I, I, I would have to agree with, with Mac. I mean, it's just like, I feel like he could have been a really useful tool. You know, coming into this season, and I, I've always really liked Maitland Niles a lot. And I, I think this was either on Pain in the Arsenal back when I actually used to write articles for them, or it was on uh, We Love mm-hmm. Arsenal.co.uk. I'm not sure which one it was, but I wrote a piece saying that I think Maitland Niles could have a kind of similar profile to. Uh, I, he's, I think, a little more defensive, but potentially similar to like a James Milner. Or something where he just can literally play wherever, you know, pretty much. And I I don't know why Arteta just didn't really feel the need to ever use him. I just, I mean, you remember at the beginning of the season when he very controversially put that, I think it was an Instagram story where he said, I just want to play, let me leave, man. And, you know, he got a lot of flack for that. A lot of people said it was unprofessional. But it was like he ended up staying and then it looked, do you remember? It looked at first like, oh, snap, he is actually going to get maybe some minutes. Fair enough. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, just kidding. He's frozen out like again. And we basically just didn't see anything Mm. of him. So I just wonder like if we were, if that was, you know, not even like it was guaranteed to happen. But if that had the potential of occurring, you know, him being frozen out, that is, why didn't we just loan him? out at the top of the season. I I don't really understand. I I think that we've done Maitland-Niles a sort of disservice, you know, by just not giving him the game time. Totally You know, I I just, Mm. when I, I'm fairly confident he will do, you know, when the end of the season comes, Maitland-Niles is going to look at his campaign with Roma and say, I'm very happy with that season because I think he's a good player. And I just, it seems like Arteta doesn't really know how to use him. I don't know if it maybe it comes down to an obsession with structure and Maitland Niles since yeah that's a good you know, point. he is so multifaceted maybe Arteta doesn't really like that there's no you know kind of one pinpoint position that he plays in but regardless I mean obviously now you're gonna look at it and say why the hell did we loan this dude out we're having you know issues at right back and issues in the midfield and yeah. As everyone fully knows, yeah. he could he could he could have been a solvent to that. So it's just it looks very stupid now, but hindsight is twenty twenty. To be fair, yeah, yeah, I think I think more so uh, um, right back the issues were unforeseen. Right. Um, you know, we we do have three first team right backs, and it was completely um, uh, you know, unforeseen that we would have to use a half fit Tommy Asu against Liverpool. Like who, no one could have predicted that, and. Um, I think midfield would be the perhaps more contentious area because, of course, you've got um, Mo Elneny at AFCON and perhaps you could just have um, Maitland-Niles as that sort of security option in mm. midfield for, for this month. And, yeah, as you say, hindsight is is twenty twenty, But, you know, 
Um, at the end of the day, it was only January. We only played a few games. It's as, as painful as the weekend was with Burnley. Um, you know, we're still in with a very good shout for top four. So, you know, perhaps we didn't need that extra midfielder considering bar any injuries or red cards, Partey and Shaka are going to play the majority or perhaps all of the games for the rest of the season. Okay, considering I'm talking about midfield, let's talk a little bit bit about recruitment in midfield. Uh, I'll go to you first, Mac. Uh, just, just talk to me. I think a lot is going on. Do you want to just give perhaps a brief summary of your thoughts and sort of the names that we're linked with? Well, I, I think the, the real first way to say it is that Brazilians don't seem to be well loved at Arsenal at the moment. Um, (laughs) I mean, of course we got rid of one over the summer, thank God, but you know, we, we were strongly linked to, uh, Artur, Arthur Mello. Uh, at Juventus, he is a good player by all accounts. Not perfect, certainly, but you know Juventus, despite their thirty million central midfielders, didn't really want to let him go. Fair enough. Can't agree. Can't agree on a deal. Fine. Now we received some unfortunate news. I think about a day ago now, um, of some very advanced talks between Newcastle, shocker, and yeah. uh, and Arsenal. Or not an Arsenal and fucking Olympic Lyon for yeah. um, you know longtime Arsenal target. There's the Arsenal part of that sentence. Uh, Bruno Gomarish, who we are all very vocally admiring of at all times, um, yeah. both here and on Twitter. And despite some odd club statements from Lyon, literally saying we vehemently and factually deny all claims. You know, when it's coming from Fabrizio Romano and Orni, there's mm. no chance it's wrong. Like and I will say that with that certainty. Bidding war. That's what they want. Yeah, that's all. All they want is a bidding war. I think uh, James said it on Twitter. <laughs> all they yeah. want is a bidding war. Um, and you know, Arsenal haven't done shit in to in any attempt to sign Gromarish. So there's no chance we're going to step into a bidding war um, because that's not how we roll. Clearly, there is something about this midfielder that we don't like. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it could be, but it's clear that Arteta, Edu, one of the two, or just the club's higher ups, I suppose, maybe total conjecture. Don't fancy him. Um, yeah, it's, I, there has to be a reason behind it. The club hasn't released any official statements because why would they? Um, (laughs) it's yeah, it's disappointing for us as fans, but at the same time, um, I mean, the, the the positive side of things is that we still have five days to get this done. The negative side of things is that we only have five days to get this done, and the club is silent. So I, I don't know. It's it's a little perplexing, especially with our two star midfielders currently on red cards. Um, there hasn't even been a shout of like a stopgap signing or just anything. And of course, we don't do that anymore at this club, but like, just they're, they're, it, it's silent as the grave. Um, and I think I'm starting to get a little perturbed, if not necessarily concerned. I feel like there would have at least been more action in the market were we to have some deal likely of going through. Mm. Daniel, on that um, Bruno uh, yeah, G1, I, mean, I, I, uh, I, I, I put it in the chat this morning. I was, I'm just a bit embarrassed by the whole fiasco. I don't know how you feel about it. It is embarrassing. I, I know that Newcastle are going to develop into this crazy 
super team if all goes right with their takeover. And I mean, let's have it right. It's a little difficult to be homeless if you're a billionaire, you know, so I think they'll be fine. And they're going to be one of the new mm. superpowers. And in that regard, I sort of understand it. You know, we're going to start seeing Newcastle taking players like this that are coveted by other sides. That's just going to start happening now because now they've got the financial capability of competing um, for, for their signatures. But they still don't have the big name yet. You know, they have to kind of establish themselves. Arsenal, if we mm. pulled our thumb out and actually went after a very good player in Bruno, who Alfie wrote a phenomenal piece about, by the way, a couple uh, months ago, I think it was. Go check it out. Yeah, well, weeks ago. Or yeah. weeks ago, whatever. Uh, and Fabrizio for Brit- for has even said that this, this is a guy that's been coveted by loads of the big clubs. Yeah. Like, uh, everyone sort of wants him. Yeah, he's chosen Newcastle. Well, I don't even know if it's his, he's chosen Newcastle, Rob. I think Newcastle are probably just one of the few that actually or- went in for him. You know, and yeah, yeah. You know, given the way that the market is now and a lot of teams are broke and all that fun stuff, Arsenal are obviously very frugal, always have been. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's really no surprise to me that, you know, Newcastle were the ones that dove in. I think the only hope I have for this deal is that, you know, the player does try to hold out for a bigger team because I don't know. I mean, I get that maybe they pay him well and the Premier League's a great place to go, but Lyon is a bigger club than Newcastle, man. Why are you going to make that step in your career? I just think it's bizarre. And I think if, you know, Bruno was to see somebody like an Arsenal actually actively going after him, then he might kind of sit back and say, oh, well, you know, I kind of would prefer that move. Maybe even if they pay me a little bit less, you know. Do you reckon he's at all sort of appealed by the prospect of being Newcastle's sort of stalwart statement signing I mean, that they're, they're, they're going to be something? If he was brought in and they're talking to him and, you know, they're, they're all telling him how, hey, we're going to build a super team around you and we want you to be a staple of this soon-to-be phenomenal side, that would be difficult not to get excited by. So I, I would fully understand that. But then, but then at the same mm. at the same time, Mikel Arteta can say to him, "I'm going to put you into a side which everyone can see could very easily be phenomenal." Yeah. Whereas, where is that 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 Newcastle vision? It's it's not quite as believable. One might say, even though the money's there, because you know there's not the players to suggest that they they can be a super team in that squad as of this. And moment. I think that's what makes this whole saga all the more frustrating is the fact that we do still know as things stand maybe this won't be the case in a few years but as things stand we could still beat newcastle to a signing of a very good player but Mm. like i was saying at the top of my tangent not pulling our thumb out and that's i i what i read about um it's it's a little bit different about a different brazilian midfielder artur was that you know, they were ready to get it done. Arteta really likes the player, and he feels as though an 18-month loan would be good to kind of get to better know him, and then he could try to sign him because he'd be cheaper to just buy permanently from Juventus. And, yeah, but a bit like how we did with Erdogan. Right, but exactly. evidently, yeah. the Arsenal hierarchy just didn't like that, and they don't like the money that's associated with the signing. So I almost wonder, Rob, if that is the case with this one as well, because I'm, I'm, I'll tell you this, I'm, I'm going to go off on a, on a little bit of an angry tangent now. 
I think that Arsenal mm-hmm. fans are insanely short uh, sighted, and a lot of them like to pretend they're intelligent and know about what's going on, but we're actually very stupid, myself included, by the way. Um, we're a ab- no naming yeah. names, right? <laughs> we're um, <laughs> right. We're, Keep those lips sealed, Mac. We're um, you know slamming Edu, and I just don't really think it's his fault. You know, I mean, at mm. the end of the day. The players that looked like they wanted to come to Arsenal or the, you know, signings that looked like they could actually be made, Edu has got over the line. But the ones that look, you know, maybe a little bit, you know, like they're not going to happen. You know, I'm sure we'll talk about Vlavic later on in the show. Those are the ones he didn't get done. And for some reason, he's getting crucified for it. And I just I don't understand it at all. I think it's super short sighted. And the problem is higher up the ladder than Edu. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose to to act as the devil's advocate, perhaps people are thinking, you know, has Edu got one of these deals over the line, which is a bit more difficult, where where we've got genuine competition. You look, you look at Odegaard, we we were front runners mm-hmm. for him. No one else was really interested in him. He's the one that's touted as the sort of big club player that we sort of negotiated for. Um, yeah, you look at, I don't know, perhaps a Ben White. Uh, other big clubs were sort of sniffing around. Liverpool had a long-term interest in him. I get what you mean. Um, in terms of a lot, and, and I do sort of feel like everyone's sort of forgotten about how bloody fantastic the summer was. Mm. Like our, our business was really, really good. And I don't think the role of Edu can be ignored just because, I don't know, there's been reports that he wanted Emerson instead of Tommy Asu. Um, you know, they're just reports at the end of the day. I, I think that Edu did a very good job over the summer. I think he's not done the best of jobs in January. Um, you know, he's done his classic, give a few players away for absolutely nothing. Mm. Um, but then at the same time, I think sort of doing that for Maitland-Niles is good because it'll put him in the shop window. Um, but yeah, I think probably the criticism is a tad unfair. Mac, what do you think about these reports of Arteta flying out to meet uh, Stan Kroenke regarding money well listen um here's the thing about the january window it's often very difficult to sign players it's a good time for loans it's a good time for kind of emergency hey we need a backup this or a replacement Mm. that and like kim kalstrom (laughs) sure (laughs) i mean the worst possible example um okay actually ooh, interesting debate for later who is worse kim kalstrom or dennis suarez um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but my point is that Kim Kalstrom scored a penalty in the FA Cup. Yeah. Uh, like True enough. Dennis Suarez did only play 67 him. minutes over a oh, season. But yeah. yeah. Um, regardless, I think that it's <laughs> it's difficult <laughs> to to put things through in a window where there's a lot of hesitancy to spend big money um, mm. on investments that won't tick through. But listen. Arsenal historically have owners that don't like spending money on things. I mean, we forget that we sold Joe Willock for a really nice chunk of money mm. this summer that, yeah. you know, that covered for about one and a half of the signings we made. Right. Um, and with hindsight, it's looking absolutely fantastic. That exactly. Piece of business, isn't right. It? Sure. But like we're, <laughs> we're unloading, um, you know, freeze during the January window again, great considering we're unloading dead wood that we don't need and will never use right like mm. said Kolasinac was 110 grand a week of absolutely oh, yeah, no help to the team good. right exactly uh pablo mari 
good player, but at the end of the day, we weren't using him in the team. He didn't really have a place. He was signed on some pretty sketchy finances, first of all, from, <laughs> you know, Brazil to bring in a role that we didn't have to in the team. To this day, does anyone exactly. know how much he actually cost us? It, I it was... think it was around $7 million, I think is like the the genuinely agreed upon amount with like yeah. reports going up to eleven. It was yeah. literally just a piece of super agentry that was, you know, the last yeah, gasp horrible. of <laughs> Raul Sanlehi. But just generally, yeah. um, it's, you know, the club has done a lot of healthy things. We've gone from a bloated, ugly squad to what is frankly a bit much of a skeleton crew for my liking. But mm. like, if you're really looking to get January signings, you need money. And True. if you're going to fly out to talk to the owners about money, it's probably because they are reluctant to give you any, which with Arsenal mm. is the same old tune. Just, you know, we've heard it before and we'll continue hearing it. Um, it's not as much of an issue as it was, you know, during protest time last season because the club is actually, oh, I don't know, succeeding now because we've trusted do, do, in our manager okay, and because investment was given. Do you think Arteta's right to be going out and, and sort of demanding that money then? Because I know we've got this massive chance at top four, but he was heavily backed in the summer. He Could was. you really blame Stan Kroenke if he sort of turns around and says, no, I gave you all the, a shit ton of money in the summer, that can get you top four? Um, I would say yes and no. I can't blame him because, like, listen, the signings we're trying to bring in this summer or this January, I should say, we're not going to be spending seventy-five million on Dusan Vlahovic. We're not going to be spending mm. eighty million on Alexander Isaac. Mm. The money we are trying to spend is significantly more reasonable. It's you know whether it's thirty-five that's currently being offered from Newcastle for Bruno Gomarish. That's a steal for a player of his quality. Yeah, yeah. Whether I it's, think it's you like know twenty-five point one exactly right for <laughs> like crazy the, money. The, the even like if you're going to pay five million for an eighteen-month Artur Mello loan. Keep in mind, Artur Mello was signed to Barcelona for what, like 45, 50 million from Gremio? Mm. And then like 60 million to Juventus, and they played, then Barca paid 60 million for Pjanic the other way, and the most confusing oh, transfer so of all time. Too, wasn't it? Yeah. Exactly. But like, if we're getting a player of, you know, theoretically 90 million pounds worth of quality for 5 million for 18 months, that is an unbelievably worthwhile deal, um, at least in my mind. And, I don't know. I think Arteta is entirely right to ask for finances because there are things we need in order to, if if Stan Kroenke is looking to recoup the investments he's put into this club, getting top four is the best way to do yeah, it. Yeah. Um. So that balance exists. And okay, if I'm Stan Kroenke, I don't want to dump another hundred million into January because I might be gearing up for the summer. But like, at least give the club something because you've seen after two seasons of consistently solid investment, the team has done something good. We are now in a place where we are back on the upswing and succeeding. And I'm not sure if Kroenke realizes this, but typically when a club is doing that, investing mm. more money into it will get will get you greater dividends. Look at Chelsea. You know, yeah. Abramovich has opened his <clears throat> pockets, and even though some of their signings haven't worked out, they won the fucking Champions League last year yeah. because they have brought in the right signings at the right times and bolstered the squads in areas where necessary to create a well-rounded project. Like, it's just how it is. I mean, at the end of the day, we need we need a new striker. We need a striker who is well-suited to the project, and that striker is going to cost us a lot of money mm -hmm. because it's a rare profile that we're looking for. Um, 
and I think it's pretty much £70 million profile if you want a good player. Um, and he's either going to have to give us that money now or in the summer. I, I just think it's inevitable that we're going to have to spend that sort of fee on the striker. Um, exactly. And, you know, I, I think if we're not careful, we'd probably have to spend that sort of fee on a, on a midfielder to sort of replace slash compete with Shaka, mm-hmm. uh, which makes it all the more baffling that we haven't moved for Bruno G. But, um, yeah, that's... That's uh, that's me just running away. Anyway, um, Daniel, that that's seventy million. Who's it going at? Because I know you've been pretty vocal on Twitter. Uh, you, you don't really think any of these players are yeah, worth seventy million, yeah. but if you had to chuck seventy million at one of them, who would it be? Oh man. Well, I guess the I think Vlavic is out the out the window. That's not happening. Now. Yeah. I, Do you want to just talk about him briefly and, yeah. and I think and we should. What's gone on? on I that think front? we should. Um, you know. We, I don't think we could really be too discouraged about, you know, the way that we even handled this deal. From from what the reports were saying, it kind of seemed like Arsenal were very aggressive in their pursuit of Lovic, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And it just didn't work out because the player, from what reports are saying, whether they're true or not, I guess we'll see. From But from what they're saying, he had no interest in Tottenham or Arsenal. Tottenham were linked, but come on now, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> If it was always going to be us if yeah. someone in the Premier League signed him. Um, but, you know, if the player's not interested in joining the club, I'm sorry, folks. You can't bring him in. You know, if Lovic is saying, right, yeah. sure, I'll leave Fiorentina, but I want either Inter or Juventus. I want to stay in Italy. Can you blame the guy? I mean, I, 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 don't, think I, I don't think I could personally. Uh, he has no attachment to the Premier League. You know, we were talking about that. He doesn't give a shit about Arsenal. Why would he? You know, um, so you know, it's it's going to end yeah. up being the one that got away probably because he's going to end up going to Juventus, who I think is going to be the team to sign him somehow. I thought they were broke as hell, but I guess they're finding a way. Um, yeah. Well, it's all right. They already owe Fiorentina still like eighty million some odd for Fede Chiesa. What's another seventy? Right. Right. Yeah. Might as well just. <laughs> yeah, and obviously, yeah. He can't go to Inter, duh, because Lukaku is going back in the summer, and we all know that. But <laughs> true, forgot about <laughs> mostly that. joking. Exactly, but you know, I mean, if if he ha- if he has his heart set on staying in Italy, there is nothing we as Arsenal fans, to your point, Danny, can do to dissuade him. You know, he's not Gabriel Magalhaes, who is getting ten thousand DMs an hour to please come to Arsenal, like. <laughs> At, that might work for a player of Gabriel's profile, but you know, when you are Dusan Vlahovic and could literally go anywhere in the world because you are this the everyone's replacement for Erling Holland, and you have your pick of clubs, go where makes you ha- you know go where makes you happy. And if that's not Arsenal, sucks for all of us. But at the same time, yeah, can't do anything about yeah. it. I mean, maybe yeah. it's I th- I, th- I, th- I think. Oh, yeah, so, ahead, sorry, I was just gonna say maybe it's you know gonna end up being a blessing in disguise because. A lot of us yeah. were still questioning it. I think, you know, for me, for example, what I started doing was I, for whatever reason, got confident we were going to get a deal over the line, probably because I'm dumb, but whatever. Um, and <laughs> no, so did yeah, I. I don't know why. Maybe it's just my delusion or it was just how how perpetual the links were. But I just kind of was like, all right, fine. We'll take him and let's see if we can kind of turn him into that sort of you know, sorry for the lazy comparison because I'm a stan of his, but we could turn him into that kind of Benzema-esque striker that we are clearly, you yeah. know, that's what we're trying to go for. That seems pretty obvious to me. 
Um, we want a guy who can link up play and score goals, and that's really difficult. So may, I was thinking maybe we could turn him into that, but hey, maybe it'll turn out to be you know a good thing in the end because he's not really he's not doing that at Fiorentina. He looks to just be sort of a you know goal scorer out and out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it's good that Arsenal showed the ambition to go and get on, set on that negotiating with ta- table with Fiorentina. Seemingly put the money on the table. By all accounts, mm-hmm. um, you know, Fiorentina accepted our, our, our proposal. I think it was going to be something along the lines of around 50 million and Lucas Torreira. Um, and yeah, it, it seems like everything was going swimmingly, but he just didn't want us. But I think it's good that we... We want to compete with the big boys for the for the signatures of these players. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it was good, and I also am pleased because if I'm being honest, even though I don't think any of them are seventy million pound players, I, I really like the other players we're being linked with. That is one thing I've been pretty pleased with consistently over the the January period, other than perhaps Genie Wijnaldum. I've been pretty pretty pleased with all the players we've been linked with. I just think they have such. Um, sort of exciting young profiles and you know I, th- I think that's sort of emblematic of how successful the the sort of recruitment mm. strategy was over the summer it's good to see that carried on but I'll, I'll bring it back to the original question I asked you before we went on to Vlavic then Daniel and then uh, you can pass the torch on to Mac yeah. who is that striker for you then who is that guy that you want to see in an Arsenal shirt on uh on deadline well, day. I really like the idea of uh, Jonathan David. Very young, only 22, just like all the other players are really being linked with. Um, I do also like Isaac, 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 whatever you want to call him. I like to call him. I like to call him <laughs> Isaac for some reason. I just think it sounds cooler than Isaac. You know? Yeah, I like Isaac, that too. Yeah. Isaac, Alexander Isaac. Um, but uh, David, we're not really getting linked all that heavily with. Um, the Isaac deal looks really complicated, and I've got to say, I like Isaac a lot, but my God, Twitter fans are overhyping the hell out of this guy, man. I'm sorry, <laughs> but he's just, you know, I, I think he's got the potential to be a very good striker. He's got a really nice, he's absolutely massive, and he's really quick, too. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's also 6'3", he and Vlavic. Yeah, so, you know, that's nice. And he's, you know, very quick and mobile for, for being that large. But at the end of the day, when you look at his season, man, he's had 18 appearances, four goals and an assist. Mm. Do you really think that guy's going to come to a new league and just be this all-new goal-scoring messiah that we've been crying out for? I mean, come on, get real, people. And I, I just... I've been seeing this one a lot too. People turning their nose up at a target that's kind of gone more under the radar now. And obviously he costs a lot due to the English tax, but dominant Calvert-Lewin. I think... Yeah, I was about to bring him into the conversation. I think Calvert-Lewin could be a damn good signing. And honestly, of all these players we're talking about, he's probably the one that would actually want to join. And I mean... Arsenal fan. Yeah. So, and I mean, folks, I mean, you look at this, the guy, I mean, obviously his season has been plagued with injury. He's got... But he's got, you know, six of. Does that put you off him? Uh no, because I don't think it's I don't think it's a constant thing. I think it's just sort of an anomaly. Um, okay. He's six appearances this season, three goals. Isaac has three times as many and one more goal. I mean, he's got a couple assists chucked in there, or a uh, one assist, excuse me, chucked in there as well. But I mean, really, I just I, I like that Calvert Lewin has experience in the Premier League, and all in all, that he would like to come as well. And I just think this figure. Mac, I'd like to get your thoughts on it because 
I know you know a lot about the yeah. international players um, from across the I pond. Do. Nerd. Um, we, you know, <laughs> we're being told that, uh, you know, this, this Isaac guy's 80 million, 80 million bucks. Transfer market saying he's worth 44. I mean, you don't pay double. Mm. I, I mean, I'm not saying transfer market's completely accurate, but they sort of know what they're talking about, you know? I don't think you pay twice what a player's worth just because you want to score more goals if you get if you get what I mean. No, and again, every time we talk about strikers, I will reference my piece <laughs> from a couple of months ago. Um, I talked about Vlavic, I talked about Isaac, I talked about Ollie Watkins, I talked about Yusuf Nasiri, who was linked at that time, and I talked about DCL. Mm-hmm. And the 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 names that order that was five to one for me. Mm. Um, mm. And there's a reason for it. I think Isaac, I think he has the danger of being a one season wonder. Um, I really do. He was stellar for Sociedad last season. He hasn't hit the same heights. He was amazing for um, Sweden at the Euros. Sweden. And, mm. you know, he has, frankly, I think he is potentially not now, but in the beginning of the season was suffering from Euros tax a little bit, as were a lot mm. of our players. For sure. Um, and just generally, I think the question to me, if you're going to ask me who I'm slapping that price tag on, I agree with you. I love Jonathan David. He's awesome. Um, I think the injuries put me off of DCL a little bit more simply just because they have been very prevalent in the past two seasons. Um, he was injured for the second half of last year and now most of this year. Um, if we can keep him healthy, it's great. He would be an amazing asset. Um, and I would love to see him at the club. I really like his profile. I think I am much more a fan of Ollie Watkins than most people are. I really love the way he could press. I like him. I he's, like him a lot. He's, un- like, he's an unbelievable target man. He's great at getting oh, in behind. He's he is, so deceptively, yes. so deceptive as a target man. You just and, don't look at him yeah. and think it, but he's so good at bringing I the I remember down. He, mm. and, um, he and Jack Grealish ran the floor with us. Uh, their yeah. our, their first fixture against us last season, it was one of the best performances I've ever seen out of a player duo ever um, against Arsenal, and it was really just amazing to watch. Now, mind you, he hasn't been good this season. Okay, sure, that's because Villa signed Danny Ings, and he's mm-hmm. playing second fiddle to Ings at striker. Third that's fiddle, I think it's to, worth a yeah, bid as well because exactly. even though I think he's been starting over Ings lately. Villa have that re- replacement there. True. Whereas right. And yeah, you, ta- you take DCL from Everton. They're thinking, can we really use Rondon for the rest of the season? <laughs> Absolutely no. not. Um, and you know, realistically, they'll probably use Richarlison. But like, but still, at the end of the day, who also again wouldn't be a bad shout. I don't really like Richarlison as like a player. That's a good thing. Um, I admire him. I think he's talented, but he pisses me off. Um, which to be yeah, fair, could I be think great it to have would on the be team. Quite fun to watch him pissing other teams off if oh, he was no. playing for y- you. You're absolutely correct. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, he's just one of those players who like, I am, it, it's like if Neil Mope were actually good and we got linked to him, I would be like, okay, it would be a fun player to have on our team for that exact reason, but also I hate his guts. Um, mm, right. But like, just generally, I think the only other player that we have been linked to is uh, Victor Oziman, who we are never in going to have a snowball's chance in hell of getting. Um for one, because of his role in Napoli, but also because he went to Napoli for an absolutely absurd amount of money. 
Um, and it mm. would cost an even like it would cost an Isaac fee to get him in. And I don't think he has the ability in link up play quite yet to be that per because like if you're talking 80 million for a player, it has to be the finished article. Yeah. And the links haven't been that hot, have they? No, I I think it's just like one of those where people on Twitter are like going, you know, shooting for someone in the dark, some high profile striker in desperation. But no, genuinely in my mind, I think first on the ranking is David. I'm with Daniel. Second on the ranking, only because of injuries, is Ollie Watkins, because I think he's brilliant. Third on the ranking is Calvert-Lewin, but it's very close. Um, Those are the strikers I'd like to see Arsenal splash cash on. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's a really interesting issue that we've got. I think my preference, I'm going to say, would be DCL. That's Um, totally fair. Yeah, I think mine too. I like the, you know, uh, and sorry, I like the... uh, Hmm. I know it's only a two-year difference, but I. By the way, I can't believe Ali Watkins is freaking twenty-six. The guy looks like he's nineteen. But um, I, I like that you know, Calvert Lewin has the, that two years. Twenty-six. You wow. know, on on his side. Yeah. But I mean, regardless, twenty-six. I think it's still a fine age, but it's like. Oh, great age to get a striker in for great right. age. We don't have enough players in their prime. Yeah. So, uh, but we have arguably one. <laughs> yeah i would uh and even he might be exiting yeah. it so yeah i don't know it's difficult because it's like we need it desperately so we know we're gonna have to pay over the odds it's it's just yeah that's how it's gonna go yeah i think actually the last striker question the only just, other link we've just had one, Rob, just, yeah go go mm, yours all yours i'm just gonna ask both of you do you think it's absolutely necessary that we sign a striker before the end of the window if we want top four you know, I, I don't think with the strike force we can get to. I think top four is already kind of slipping away in the in the first place, to be honest with you. But if we don't get a midfielder and a striker in here, we ain't making top four. That's my that's my hot take. That's my opinion mm. on it. We Mac, we made it into top four, yeah. Mm. By like we made it into the top four and into that charge by relying on a twenty year old, a twenty year old, <laughs> a twenty one year old, and a twenty three year old. Yeah. To score all of our goals. Never going to be sustainable. And it worked. No. That's my thing. It worked we, briefly. Very briefly. It, it worked for a month and a half. Sort of. It didn't mm. even work in the beginning of December. It worked for like the December fixtures where we kicked ass because we had three games a week and, you know, had young kids to take advantage of tired opponents. Right? Like that is that is what worked. Um, and I think in order to take the strain off of Smithrow, Odegaard, Martinelli, Saka we need another attacking weapon. We need someone to make sure that they are not responsible for our entire team existing. Right. Um, yeah. And that's just my thought. I think, and I was just about to mention it. It's a perfect segue. The only other reliable striker link that I think is almost becoming the new Philip Coutinho for us is Real Madrid's Luka Jovic. Um, oh my God. Yeah. No, thanks. And this is, and th- and this would have been the question because I don't get the the thought that anybody wants him. Like two seasons ago, I would have loved him. Right. When he had his first awful year right out of Eintracht Frankfurt, he was terrible for Real Madrid. I would have loved to snap him up then and mold him into the striker we needed. Now, absolutely not. Because he would not be the player we needed to take the onus off of our no quartet of wonderful Yeah, our quartet of youth. Um, yeah, no. But I agree with you completely. Pl- we want we want that we want that player the um the sort of pinnacle or the 
or the guy who's just going to blend in nicely with our with yeah. our Martin Martin Elliott, Saka, and Smith Rowe. That we want that that extra guy in in the party, and I, Luka Jovic definitely isn't that guy. That would not Gally be a Lewin seamless can transition. Be that guy. Ollie yeah. Watkins can be that guy. Um, Isaac Flavich, all of those guys, they could have been that guy. Not 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 Luka Jovic. No, no. Way. Um, completely agreed. And I think I'm with Daniel in terms of getting top four. A striker is more of an immediate need than a midfielder, if only because we will have Party and Jaka and Lakanga backing them up with like no more international tournaments to steal one away and hopefully not many more red cards. Um, we'll see. But yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, <laughs> just it, it's a tumultuous time. Um, I do think a striker is more important than a midfielder, though. I yeah yeah definitely yeah. now that um, we've got Shaka and Partey back exactly. I think a midfielder mm. would be great, but that is like a perfect thing for the summer, especially if you know if and if and if uh, Grimaldi does not actually go to Newcastle, um, because there's still a chance he doesn't if Leon continue to be weird idiots on Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. So peculiar. Isn't it's it? so weird. Like, come on. Their their um, owner has and their whole board has just always been so weird about transfers. They're so yeah. like, snippy and just I don't know. Maybe this is a weird word to describe it, but I just feel like those dudes are rude, bro. You know what I'm saying, bro? They're rude, man. Like I mean, it's it's like out of sight, out of mind now that he's old, but do you remember how much they battled us for Lacazette oh back God. in the day? For real, man. That transfer was oh, hell yeah. to go through. It took a whole last summer. Like, come on now. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's – we really need a striker. And we could spend a whole entire podcast Agreed. talking about it, really. But I think – We pretty much have. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what I really want from a striker is, of course, you want a guy that's going to score goals. but if, And then along with that, though, I want a dude with, like, a, a presence, you know. And I know that's that could be, like, a loaded term. But I want somebody that's in our front line that defenders look at and they're like, holy shit, I'm scared of that guy. And because Yeah, yeah I totally yeah, get you. Even if he's not... Learning that's why, Diego that's why I like DCL. Yeah, oh, there we go. Maybe we should just... I think defenders really fear DCL. Exactly. I mean, you look at the... He's yeah. freaking huge, and he is very strong. Um, so, yeah, I think he would fit that Dude, profile well, yeah. Virgil van Dyke fears DCL. Yeah, like, oh, he's a bastard too. When, yeah. when he was in the form of his life under Martin, uh, not Mar, uh, against uh, under Carlo Ancelotti last yeah, season, for he like was two months, exactly. Yeah, he and was if we untouchable. can, if we can even get that form back for two months of this, you know, back end of the season, right? We get top four. Perhaps. We get top four. Like, um, yeah, I think you can say yeah. we get it. I think it's just so funny though, because that, that you know, there's so many yeah. people at home sitting on their couch, maybe driving to work, whatever it may be, and they're just turning their noses up all arrogantly at Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Who the hell are we? Uh, you know, it's like, yeah. I mean, we're in this transition now where we're trying to, realistically, even if we finish sixth this season, that would probably be considered a good campaign. Um, we're, But we're in a position where we're trying to get back into the Champions League. We are not there yet. And it's just, I think... We, we this is recycled content. What I'm about to say, because I know for a fact we've said it before when we were linked with like Grealish for like three days. But it's I think it's <laughs> nobody was nobody was too arrogant about Grealish because no, they wouldn't want no, Grealish. No, no. Um, maybe City wish they didn't have him right now. But um, 
Like, (laughs) you know, I I think we've got to stop being all weird and snooty about buying players from other Premier League sides, even if they're lower in the table than us. Because just just because Isaac's from a different country and plays in a different division doesn't make him any better. You just are, you know, attracted to the idea of him when, because you don't watch him. You know, I mean, that's that's what it is. So I don't know. That whole saga all over Twitter has really just been pissing me off along with others that we mentioned earlier. So anyway. Agreed. Yeah. Um, okay. Should we yeah. um, perhaps conclude with some uh, predictions about what oh. we think is going to happen? I'm happy to kick like it, it off. Uh, yeah. Rob, give me give me some predictions then for, for this transfer window. Nothing. Oh. We're getting nothing. Well, I don't agree with that. All right, Daniel, what are your predictions? Well, I think we'll at least get the the yank, Matt Turner. Um, Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. We'll get the cold keeper. But other than that, I don't think we're getting any. By the way, I love Matt Turner. Shout out, America. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light? You know, shout out, uh, Star Spangled. A song that has no tune. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Worst national anthem of all time. Anyway, continue. We we literally say the word bombs in our national anthem. Does that tell you? um, We do that. I mean, our- it's it's we're 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 not spilling the blood of the infidels. Shout out France, but it's not far off. <laughs> but um, yeah, even if we were to just sign Matt Turner, whom I'm very excited uh, about, just just because of his nationality, really, um, and the fact that he he <laughs> will be cheap. You know, MLS players do not cost that much. Um, but it's like that's no, like five million or something. Yeah, that would be a disaster of a transfer window, man. That would be an absolute disaster because, honest, unless Leno goes, it's really not even a position that we need all that much. You know, I mean, Leno is yeah. more than fine at number two. So I just think it's this would be if I were to give it marks out of ten, it would be one out of ten if we were to just sign a goalkeeper. However, I do think Arsenal will come through at the at the deadline and will bring in like a midfielder. I don't think we're going to be able to get a striker done in January though. So okay, just um, just to extend that, then does that mean we have to reintegrate Aubameyang? Yeah, we're gonna have to. We're not gonna have a choice. So, yeah, yeah. I, he agree. still has more goals okay. and shots than Lacazette this season. <laughs> oh just, God! Just just uh, saying, just saying. Lacazette is a stinky footballer, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to describe him. He really is. What a stinker! Right, Mac, your turn. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go for. My dream transfer window, and then what I actually think is going to oh, happen. Nice. Ready for this? Yep. Um, my dream transfer window is we sign <laughs> simply a midfielder. Yeah. Um, I I I, I want a center midfielder in the club. Uh, I would like the Arsenal execs to potentially agree with the Arthur Mello deal, and then, um. Like dream transfer window, mm-hmm. Arthur Mello, and I'll say DCL just because he's more linked right now. Um, yeah. Actual transfer window, we are getting Matt Turner, and and we I think I think we might pull in Luka Jovic. I'm oh, not shitting come you. Come on. I think uh, I nah, think we grim. might. That is I don't I don't I, I I hate it. I'm gonna go wash my mouth out with shampoo and bleach, but <laughs> genuinely, I'm not gonna swallow it. Don't worry, no toxins. But <laughs> oh, um, yeah. It's it, Luka Jovic. It, 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 won't be, it, it won't be a happy day for the club. Um, but yeah, no no big marquee signings this window. 
Um, and I think I called that on the nah. last pod too. I said we wouldn't I get just Blavich and we won't. My but, issue yeah. is is that I just don't see any of these top clubs other than Fiorentina who are obviously happy to part ways for some reason. I don't think any of them are happy to sell their, their star strikers. I just don't think they want to in the middle of the season. I mean, it would be stupid to. Um, Rob, can I ask you a quick you know, question my... about Blavich? Just to sort of, I know this is t- kind of off topic a little bit because it's like stop mm. talking about the player if you're not going to get him. But does it sort of like worry you how willing Fiorentina are to get rid of Lavich? Because it was never like when we were talking about the signing of it, Fiorentina were never the obstacle. Mm. It seemed like they were always very resigned to letting him go. Maybe that's Um, a better way. You know, they signed signed that uh, Millet guy at the start of the window, didn't they? Mm. And um, I think they signed another striker very recently. so yeah, they were they were happy to let him go. I wonder if there was perhaps an agreement in place that he would go in January and he would be able to pick where as long as they had like a, a, a good bid in and he probably had the choice between Juve and Arsenal and realistically went for the safe option. Uh, I, I really do think he did. I think Arsenal was the more exciting, has the more exciting project than Juventus, but he knows he can score goals in Italy. That, that's that's just mm-hmm. what I think of it. Uh, that's yeah. the crux of the matter for me. Fair so yeah, um, I know. I think he's still a good player. I just think they had an, an agreement in place, and a lot of the top teams in Europe want him and probably wanted him over the summer, and are disappointed to see him off the market. So yeah, that's my opinion on him, Daniel. Fair enough. I, I by the way, I hope I hope right. we're all wrong about the uh, the transfer window, man. We really need we need some players. Even mm. at this point, we're so you know scared of failing in the January window that I would just be happy if we signed like one player at this point, along with Matt Turner, if we do bring him yeah. in, obviously. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I'd agree with that. Um, oh, right. yeah, actually, I will just say one more prediction. I predict Leno is going to go to Newcastle. That would um, be a yeah, good signing, so, so. I've got yeah. to say, for, for Newcastle. Yeah, I just, that, that's, that, that's, I think, our last exit, and that's why we're bringing in Matt Turner. Anyway, what were you going to say, Rob? Spotlight time? Yeah, I was going to shine a short uh, spotlight over to you, Mac. What what you, what you got for me this week? Um. You will be perhaps unsurprised. It's me. I have two. The first of those spotlights <laughs> recently published, and I mean recently as in about 10 minutes ago, um, yeah, perfectly in line with this one. podcast. Alfie has a nice little transfer piece out. He talks about Isaac. He talks about DCL. He talks about one other player that I saw in the title and I'm not forgetting. Good stuff. Um, and my second spotlight is um, just a reminder that Piers Morgan exists. <laughs> Um, today he posted a comment that was reported by the sun, um, that says, basically he said, you know, if Arsenal fail to make top four, it will be a demonstrable failure and they should attack, uh, should attack, should sack Mikel Arteta. Um, he was just looking for an excuse to use demonstrable. I'm, I, yeah, well, I'm not sure if he knows what it means. (laughs) Um, yeah. Shout out Piers Morgan for consistently and constantly proving why. He is not an Arsenal fan. Thank you very kindly. That's my spotlight for the week. <laughs> go, go on, Daniel. Yeah, go on. Uh, I, I'll, I guess I'll do a double barrel as well. Um, I'll do a selfish one since Mac was so, you know, gracious. Mac is the protagonist. Mac and Rob are the protagonist of this, you know, of the shindig. We got Alfie and I are the, the bad guys. We're the Joker and the Riddler. You decide which is which. Um <laughs> but yeah, so to start my selfish one, actually mine are both selfish. I'm really up my own ass. Maybe I'd be a good striker for Arsenal. I just have that 
brutal. Pull the ego. thumb out, Daniel. Yep. Pull the thumb out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so first of all, I've got a Fintons Frolic dropping this Saturday. Keep your eye out on it. It's going to be it. also on the um, subject of strikers as well, because we're all talking about strikers because that's what we want. We want our shiny new, um, you know, shiny new goal scorer to come in. So it's Fintons Frolic, five unconventional strikers Arsenal should sign. And folks, pimps, we get a little wacky in that one. So stay tuned for that. My other thing Um, which is not at all related to my um, attempts at humor through writing is actually the personal news that I was referring to at the top of the show that I somehow did not forget. Um, This is pretty cool. So I'm going to be doing some help with a company called Gemstone Media. That's sort of like an affiliate with ESPN plus at my school. Um, I'm going to be like a runner for them basically and doing some work with cameras editing stuff like that all the nitty-gritty shit that goes on behind uh college sports production so if you want to tune into espn plus and watch my usf bulls um play basketball play some soccer or football um literally (laughs) both footballs um if you watch it i might be the guy panning on the cam uh you know moving the camera around or might be the dude that uh makes the instant replay so yeah i think that's pretty cool so Check oh, it. Oh yeah! Hell yeah! Yeah, that's very cool, Daniel. I'm I'm very proud of you, my boy. I love to hear stuff like that. Good Thank to you, see uh, the boys in the uh, editorial team at We Love You Arsenal balling. Um, anyway, I think that that's all for today. What about yours? Uh, is B. Oh well, I'm not gonna lie. I was gonna do what what um what Max said, but I'm I'm gonna be a little bit soppy with mine. I'm just gonna say a shout out to all of the hardworking journalists, your Romanos, your Ornsteins, even that transfer checker guy on Twitter. He's good. Like I I I just think that they're, they're brilliant. Like they they do so much digging during the and they get so much abuse as well. And they just get on with their their job and they find out the information for us. And even when it's not good information, at least it's information. Um, So, yeah, shout out to them and all their hard work. I think they're sort of inspirations to all of us. Dude, they've they've got such such good conversion rates, man. There's the new journalists going up. I mean, remember like even just a few years ago when they were all terrible and it was like you couldn't believe anything you read. I mean, now we as Arsenal fans, by the way, are so privileged with the likes of uh, Watson Wheatley, by the way, they are absolutely yeah, world yeah. class. They are both ridiculous. And, mm. you know, I mean, maybe if we were to sign uh, a strike. James Benj as well. Oh, James Benj, I forgot about James Benj. How could uh, I? Um, even even um, James McNicholas from the Arscast. Like, true. all these guys are fantastic. You know, if, crushing it. if we were to sign a striker that is as potent as they are and as accurate as they are, we would be making top four, no questions about it. Mm. So yeah, that's that's my spotlight for the week. But um, it is time to draw the draw the show to a close. It has been an absolute pleasure to be uh, talking with you guys on an extra canon podcast. It's been a pleasure to host. It's been it's been a really long time. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a good show. Nice little transfer roundup for you. And I reckon we'll probably be back when the transfer window slams shut to just dis- dis- to discuss whether our predictions came true. And who knows, you might hear the wonderful voice of Alfie Cairns Colshaw, if you're lucky, that is. Um, this has been the Extra Cannon Podcast. It has been episode 28. I have been joined by Mac Johnson and Daniel Finton. 
Uh, I've been your host, Rob Worthington, and thank you so much for joining us. Goodbye. Goodbye.